Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature and a honeybee sanctuary, and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's January 2nd, 2024. Who would think it, eh? 2024. In this episode, I want to share some thoughts I've had about the uh, servant beekeeping idea. And the more and more time I spend working on, you know, all the videos we collect throughout the year and the interactions I've had with other people in various forms in person, and uh, that even includes our experience with the weed police, um, there seems to be a real sort of, um, I would say, desire of people to learn more about bees and be involved at different stages. And and I want to talk about what I call three level, levels of servant beekeeping that I think we need to start to promote. I'm going to process this some more, of course, and, and eventually I'll uh, talk about it uh, on how the, there, there is a way to share this with everyone. But for, for now, let's just let me talk about it here. And if you have comments, as always, send them to me and share this with other beekeepers and friends. So if we start with the concept of servant beekeeping, it really is um, learning and helping bees by watching and listening to them. And that can, that's a very general, broad statement. So let's be more specific. There is a, a, a trend today, in, as in most things, to, to really pit groups of people against each other. So if you agree with, um, for example, the treatment-free beekeeping consortium in North America, uh, for some reason, hated my post on um, infrared light, uh, and and now they hold back any post I might put up there, which is just it's just dumb. It's ego, and I think it's just protection of turf and fear of of not being open to new ideas. And so it's an example of that. Plus, if you go the other side and you look at livestock beekeeping or um, more farming of bees. They're very anti-treatment-free um, beekeeping or uh, Darwinian black box or uh, the work that's being done by Sealy and others, often by, by traditional beekeepers, is frowned upon. It's not the way to do it. And then even more directly at, on a micro level, when you look at some of the posts and people who are trying to learn post something like, here's my hive and this is what's going on and I don't know what to do. And People get very critical. They say things like, well, of course, dummy, you should have done this or it's that. Nobody knows, for gosh sakes. And, and, and it's, it's such a horrible sort of way to uh, discourage people from learning and helping. And so I thought, let's, let's do something refreshing. So servant beekeeping is about not only the uh, watching and the listening to bees, but it's also about the watching and listening to all people who interact with bees in a non-judgmental manner. Um, I listen and watch the podcasts of, um, I believe, Steffler or Steffler, the guy in, uh, in, in Manitoba, who's seriously a farming beekeeper. I get it. It's his business. I don't look down on it. I don't judge it. I just simply learn from it. And so I want that kind of openness on all sides. And so that's why we're, we're going to be opening up our uh, um, a way for people to share info, info without any judgment or any, 
you know, judgment-free would be the way and openness and, and because you have to make mistakes to learn. You know that in any endeavor. So let me talk about the three different levels of servant beekeeping that I see possible. And certainly this is open to discussion and change and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to probably open up with these three. The first is called a bee hunter or ecosystem regeneration. That's a fancy way to say people who are excited about going out maybe on their walks and they see a swarm or they see bees going in and out of a log or a tree or a house or a barn or a garage. They pull out their phones, they do a quick clip and they just report it. They say, you know, on my walk today I saw this, this and this and they may plant a few flowers in their garden to attract pollinators including butterflies and wild bees and all kinds of things but that is a level of servant beekeeping that we should all respect and encourage so that's level one servant beekeeping level two would be the next step so you do level one but you also allow uh, someone a beekeeper person with bees to put bees on your property let's say you have 25 acres or five or even a backyard or is involved in beekeeping and says hey you've got an acre well, how about I put an extra acre here uh, a, a hive on your land and you say sure let's uh, let's uh, let's do that and you learn and you you open that up and you, of course you observe you watch what happens you plant more flowers and so on and then the third level of servant beekeeping is where you actually have bees and it's kind of the project we're doing. There are other versions of this. You could have one hive. You could have 500. You could have 5,000 hives. And to be a servant beekeeper with um, 5,000 hives, I really don't know what that looks like other than it's about being a servant to the bees and being respectful to nature. And whatever that means for you, hopefully we can uh, work it through. But what we want to talk about is the openness we need. The... Um, Interesting part, the article I just wrote on diathesis stress that some of you, surprisingly some 120 or 130 people have read it, um, and, and there's some feedback, but not a lot. I want more feedback. I want more criticism. I, I've criticized it myself many times, but I haven't had too many people, and I wish they would, and it's about the method by which I think hives either uh, survive or fail based on a model that was made popular in mental health and then moved to medical health of humans and I extended it out to bees. Nothing new, just using a model that makes a lot of sense to me and what I've watched here on the farm. And I'm interested in the reaction, so I get a reaction that is, um, all reactions are great except censorship. Uh, there are some people who don't like the idea okay, that's great. Let's talk about it. It doesn't matter to me, frankly, but if you want to be a gatekeeper, particularly I'm speaking to the treatment-free beekeeping people, what is the threat to talking about things that may not just fit within your boundary? Or maybe that's not it. Maybe maybe you're just, I don't know, you, you, you hate business. You think somehow there's a business angle. Well, frankly, there isn't, but that's that's a separate issue. Anyway, so let's be more open, let's learn from each other, and let's avoid any judgment or criticism, and, and certainly we can all take it, those of us who have been around a while and you know, are comfortable in our skins, uh, we really don't you know, put a lot of credence into things that aren't constructive. If it's constructive, it's great. You know, constructive debate, or you didn't consider this, or here's my challenge to your theory, 
is much more appreciated than simply, you know, you're an idiot or we're going to censor you, Svek, because we don't like your thoughts. So that's my ideas on servant beekeeping, and I'll keep you posted on future podcasts about, about what that will be. The interesting part of, uh, and, and I'll just pull in what's been more obvious, and I've listened to, I don't know if any of you follow Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett or any of the financial stuff, but Charlie Munger was a really fascinating, he just died, I believe, at the age of 99. He was 99. And he would read four to five hours a day of everything that had, many things had nothing to do with investing. And he was very much a proponent of being, uh, learning every day and being able to build structures around things that have nothing to do at times with the field you're in. So different structures that can explain different things and help us solve different problems by pulling things away from other disciplines. And, it, and it's kind of weird that, that I started thinking about that and people were talking about that when we put out the diathesis stress model for uh, honeybee hive loss based on a mental health model for humans. It, you know what? It, it, it may be totally crazy, may not make any sense, may not work, but the point of all that is is to pull it out and to get thinking about it. And I think it's the critical thinking and the ability to truly look at situations and problems that is stopping us from moving forward when it comes to to honeybees. What I do know, which is the truth, and, and I don't know how to explain it, is that bees in different parts of the world have learned to adapt um, to the diseases that are presented to them without human intervention. They are doing that. That is a clear truth. Now, you can... You know, you can come back and say, well, that's because of the climate in that area, or that's, well, Seeley was in New York when he looked at his forest of, of uh, feral bees that have survived Varroa and every other disease without our human intervention. Uh, you can look at Cuba, and people in Canada will say, well, it's warm there. Of course, it's easier to do. But I, I just posted about 3,000 treatment-free beekeepers in the United Kingdom which has a temperature somewhat similar to parts of Western Ontario, for example, where currently we don't seem to get any snow, hardly, or cold weather. Uh, but anyway, long story short, um, those are truths out there, and I don't know why. Uh, maybe the diathesis stress model helps explain some of it, but I think we have to at least be open to accepting the truth. The other part is the truth is about the research that shows us when we treat mites for mites in a hive, there are side effects, and if you're, I can tell you very quickly, we all know as humans there's a side effect to any medication we take. It doesn't matter what the medication, even supplements, and, and this is clear science. This isn't, you know, I don't have tinfoil on my head right now, and I'm not worried about things. I'm just telling you what the science seems to tell. And on a personal note, I just finished, I had a, a, another series of gout, and this, and this time it was added with bursitis, onto my heel of a surgically repaired leg for Achilles tendon rupture that happened some 20, 30 years ago. But uh, it seems to be my leg that causes problems when I work out every day. So today I had to use the bike. I can't, I can't really run right now. I can walk without much of a limp. My point of all that is, is I was taking some uh, prescribed meds for the inflammation and also for the gout. And I can tell you, I stopped yesterday. What a difference. I mean, there was a cloud in cognitive cloud and you know stomach stuff and 
appetite stuff and sleep disturbance, <clears throat> excuse me, just based on a, on a med that everybody takes for pain and, and, and it was weird. Sorry, so I had to get some water there. So regardless of what we take, we know there's side effects. And to expect that you can introduce toxins into a hive and not have a side effect doesn't make much sense to me. So there are truths out there. And maybe part of serving beekeeping is accepting the truth. And when I watch um, Steffler, Steffler, sorry, I got to get that right for the next podcast, in, winter, in Manitoba, and I see he puts his bees inside buildings for the winter, um, that's what he does to help his bees survive, and that's what works for him, apparently. Um, and so I wonder about that. Maybe there are versions of that we should have in, in colder climates. I remember my dad, we had a old shed, if you will, and the bees were actually inside that shed year-round, but they had an opening to the outside. And his bees survived, our bees survived when I was a kid through all kinds of stuff, even after um, Varroa arrived. So maybe that helps the bees in the sense of, you know, they're out of the elements, they're out of uh, attack by wasps and other things in the sense of getting in the outside. I don't know the advantages to that, but I can tell you, um, you know, we should learn from each other and at least be open-minded. So again, I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. Servant beekeeping, the three levels I talked about, to being a bee hunter, uh, reporting when you see bees, putting videos up, um, maybe planting some flowers to help attract pollinators. The second level was allowing bees on your property, even though you may not own the bees. And the third had to do with actually working with bees and those are, and, and being open-minded about it and open-minded about others who work with bees in any way. I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. Talk to you again next week. As you know, we learn so much from our bees on the financial side. You can go to beemoneysimple.org, and B is B-E-E, and sign up for our newsletter, which is free every Mondays, and you can get the free list of my stocks for 2024. That's beemoneysimple.org, investments inspired by the bees.